3: Boom, baby! Boom! Boom! Boom, boom, boom! To the big fella fake shoots,
0: and hits! Hey, hits! Hey, hits!
3: Hey, hits! He
0: hits! He hits! He hits! He hits! 15 seconds to play. Seven. Here's a three by Ola Oh, oh he hit it! Victor Oladipo from three point range!
3: <laughs>
4: 99, 18.7 seconds hit. left.
3: Miller for three. And he got it. Miller with a clutch tray and a steal. Miller retreats to the
4: three-point line and hits the gap. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace here on PacersTalk.net. Episode number 33, Danny Granger episode. I'm joined today by Mike Focci and Tyler Smith. Focci, what's going on, man?
3: Whew, man, episode 33, gotta show some love to Danny Granger, I know he'd appreciate it. But all this talk, man, NBA draft,
4: less than a month away, offseason is underway. Yes sir, yes sir, and of, co- of course, the coach <laughs> and the insider, my man Tyler Smith. Tyler, what's going on?
2: Hey, not too much, I am uh, missing Pacers basketball, so being able to talk about it at least helps soothe the soul a little bit.
4: Yeah, so let's talk about the the most important news. Tyreek Evans, upcoming free agent, disqualified from the NBA. Now he can reinstate, I believe it is in two years, but unfortunately, he was got he got caught taking a drug that was illegal by the NBA and has been disqualified. Tyler, your initial reactions to this <clears throat> this breaking news?
2: Well, uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, I didn't expect him to return to the Pacers next year, no matter what. Um, but I do hope that he can get his life right, turn things around. And I, I wish him well in a couple of years, things didn't work out very well here, but um, I know a lot of fans will say, Oh, I'm not surprised and, you know, make jokes about it, but, uh, I feel for the guy, you know, he's going to miss out on a couple of years, but, um, you know, he definitely, uh, definitely deserve that if, if that's what happened. And, uh, hopefully in a couple of years, he can, he can come back somewhere.
3: Fachi. It- It's rough because obviously, you know, people did make jokes, but you really do hope that he gets his help. Um, Clearly something was off this year. I mean, I wonder if – I hope that the Pacers didn't know, but if you guys remember, Tyreek did have a a leave of absence uh, earlier in this year, wondering if maybe they were on to something a little bit. Do you think that the Pacers might have had some sort of idea that he had a problem?
4: I don't know, Tyler. I mean, you're the insider. You're covering this team. What do you think?
2: Every indication they gave was that it had to do with like timing and being late and that kind of stuff, not being on board. But, I mean, it's very possible that something that severe, they would uh, do a good job of not letting it out. So um, it would not surprise me if there was something going on in there because, you know, nothing would really surprise me because, those guys know about each other's lives and what's going on. I'm just saying from what they let on from a media standpoint, it was had to do with uh, tardiness and things of that nature.
4: Yeah, it's it's really just kind of sad. I mean, to me, it wasn't surprising when I saw the news, and I guess that's kind of what mm. makes me feel bad because when I saw the news, I was like, well, that that makes sense. You know, uh, Tyreek has just kind of been one of those guys all year long that's just been hard to figure out. And he's always underachieved, <clears throat> to me personally, in his NBA career. His best year was last year, obviously, with Memphis, but Memphis was, Memphis was not trying to win. So it's just one of those things that's like, why didn't we see the Tyreek we saw in the playoffs all season long? Because that's what they were hoping to get. And if he would have just played half the season like you played those last two playoff games for the Pacers, they might have won 50 games. Uh, I think so. I mean, if he
3: played like that and averaged 15 points per game, that makes all the difference for this Pacers team. Um, But I'm going to pose the question. Do you guys think that we
2: see Tariq Evans back in the NBA, or is this it? I think we'll see him back. Uh, I believe it was Chris Anderson came back um, from something similar. Uh, He's young enough that I think in a couple years somebody will come a-calling, and I don't think he's going to get the – the kind of contract that he would have got otherwise it may be even league minimum for a year or something uh pretty small but he's too talented and still young enough that i think uh i think somebody will call him
4: yeah i agree with tyler 100 percent. everything you said there makes perfect sense i i can't i couldn't say it better so yeah i'm right there with tyler what about you do you think he'll come back to the league fachi or you have you have doubts I do have doubts. He'll be Mm -hmm.
3: around 31, you know, going into 32. Uh, This obviously wasn't that great of a season. Very talented player, so I wouldn't be surprised if he did get a shot. I mean, things happen. Uh, Guys like Emeka Okafor, who were around that age, made a comeback Mm -hmm. this year. I think Okafor was probably even older. Might have been 33. So he could come back, but I think that he really did miss out on a big payday. And it looks like that one-year deal that that they took – from the Pacers last year. Obviously, we could have never known this would have happened. It cost him a lot of money in the end. So, just very unfortunate overall, and hopefully he does get the help he needs.
4: All right, Fachi. well, you're in charge of the next topic, so what do you want to discuss? Well, I did bring it up before that the NBA draft is under a month away. Uh, I don't know about you
3: guys, but I am very excited because when our season ended, I, I couldn't just sulk about it. I had to think, how can this team get better? At, at pick 18, Was there any guys that you potentially had in mind? Because I'm thinking the Pacers really need some wing help.
4: Go -hmm. go ahead, Tyler. I'll let you start this one out. Yeah, well, I
2: I knew this was going to happen, but I ticked a lot of people off uh, last week when I said, I would absolutely take Romeo Langford at number 18 if he's still there. (laughs) I I don't think he's going to be there, and I understand the concerns. But when you're talking about 18th pick, you have to just go with the highest upside you can get. I see a lot of fans talking about like, well, this is what the team needs. But to me, every single year the needs are different. So, my personally, my strategy every single season in the draft take the best available player. I don't care what position he plays. Uh, you're gonna your your needs are gonna change, and this is a long term pick that you're probably selecting. So, I would take Romeo. I've seen him uh, go as low as sixteen, but I don't think he'll go all the way to eighteen. So, looking at some other names, the shooter from Kentucky. Uh, Tyler, is it Harrow? Is that how you say his name? Hero. Tyler Hero. He's a hero. Yeah. So he's been mentioned by some fans as a, as a shooter. Uh, I not saying I would want him, but I'm saying, I think he would be kind of in the range. Um, hopefully, hopefully they get some bigger name. You know, last year when holiday was ranked like 13th and he slipped, maybe that yep. would happen again. So if you look at some guys, maybe even a Brandon Clark type, um, maybe Kevin Porter Jr. Makes it down that low. Um, those are some names that I've, I've looked at right now. This one has Cameron Johnson from North Carolina going, uh, I like that.
4: I like Cameron Johnson. I think he'd be a nice fit here. He's a little bit older. So that's something that you don't usually do, but the Pacers did take holiday last year who was a little bit older as well. I kind of like when college players have experience. I know that the potential might not be there, but they're more plug and play guys right away. I think he'd be good off the bench uh i can't remember his full name but i've talked about him several times the kid from virginia tech uh i like his game as well he's a little bit more bouncy he's a wing player as well hopefully he gets there but i doubt he does is the power forward from kentucky uh washington pj washington i think he would be a perfect fit next to miles turner but my question back to you guys is do we even keep this pick i think we're gonna trade it I'm
3: I'm all right with trading it. Uh, I really am because this team you got two years left on Oladipo's contract. Uh, I think the time to win is now. Uh, I think that the Pacers right now you have some good cap money. You just you just obviously inked up Miles Turner long term. I think the Pacers should kind of go for their run. If Kawhi is going out west, and you never know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving there could be an opening right now for the Pacers, and I'm ready to trade that pick. At 18, come on, it's not a top 10 pick. You know, we, we've done this before. The Pacers traded 20th overall pick for Thad Young. I think that, that worked out. I mean, obviously, it's it's not to say that we would have taken uh, the the kid that the Nets took, uh, uh, Carice, Carice LeVert, but I also think that it worked out for us. You got a veteran, why not go for the move right now to win?
4: Yeah, and I mean that makes a lot of sense and I think we might get some questions about this via via, you know, comments on Twitter, whether somebody calls in and asks about us, because I do think that this is a possibility now. Tyler, my question to you is Pritchard mentioned that he wouldn't be willing to move up in this draft. Um now the tiers that we've been hearing people say are, you know, once you get past four or you know, once you get past three, that four to twenty range is kind of like a crapshoot. So would you be willing to trade up?
2: I would with the right with the right uh, deal. I think you know, like Fachi said, this is the this is the year to go after and try to win. Um, and so I, I think there's a better chance that 18 is traded with another player for a player mm-hmm. as opposed to a pick. Um, but I would not put anything past Pritchard. I know he says he says something similar to this many years that you know the draft trading the pick and all that this year though, you kind of believe them even a little bit more. I think I would, I would put the percentage maybe even as high as 50, 50, or maybe even 55, 45 that the pick does get traded in some way. So I don't know what that would look like uh, to move up, but I could see a scenario where like maybe even holiday and leaf and 18 go somewhere for a good player or something along those lines.
3: I I do. I, I see, holiday package with that eighteenth if we are gonna make a run at a point guard. You know, if you were gonna trade for a Conley or a Drew Holiday, it seems like a guarantee that both of those pieces are in there, maybe even more. Um so Mm -hmm. that's kinda what I'm thinking. But real quick if Tyler, I got a question for you. If the Pacers were to keep the pick, Romeo Langford, a player that I know that you're high on and I know you've watched all year, heard a little bit about potentially maybe some
2: attitude issues are those real or is that just kind of the media talking i think it's media talking i think it's more about his demeanor he's super laid back if you talk to anyone that's close to him they say what a great kid that he is even you know his senior year staying after two hours signing autographs and like you know he does hype himself up on social media but a lot of guys do these days he looks disinterested at times i think it's more his demeanor he was playing through a thumb injury that we just Mm -hmm. learned about and and my thing is, again, I'm not like super high on him and think he's going to be a perennial star. I just think at 18, he has the kind of upside that I would go for. And there are so many NBA players that did not look NBA ready or that good, even in college, that exploded once it became their job. And once, you know, the court gets bigger and a year older, um, has NBA guys around working out with, I mean, even a guy like Kawhi Leonard had a bad three-point percentage in college. Oladipo was terrible his freshman year at three-pointers. He could gain a three-point shot and then uh, open up his game a little bit more.
4: Yeah, I think that's all media talk, too, as well, Focci. Uh Romeo seemed to be loved by his teammates as well. I just think it's his demeanor. He kind of has that Paul George demeanor. Where it looks like he's not always trying his hardest, but he is. So, and he was playing through an injury. So that's one thing that I think might actually raise his stock a little bit as he's got that injury fixed now. So, but yeah, let's wrap this up and we'll move on to the next segment.
1: Hey, what's up? It's Kareem Rush. You're listening to Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. <laughs>
4: Alrighty, Pacer fans, we told you to call in, and we would take your calls. We've got some voicemails available, but we have someone live on the line with us, my man Ed Lolly. Ed, you have a question for us? Yes,
1: how's it going? Thanks for having me, and I want to say this is a great podcast, and y'all are doing an excellent job.
4: Appreciate that. Um, My
1: my question is more of a statement to get your guys' um, feelings and thoughts on this as of today because i'm like a yo-yo with this point guard thing every day um the way i got it ranked as far as fit and um the pace's ability to actually get one of these guys is pretty much in this order uh, one being you know the number one which is uh mike conley Tim kimber walker and then pat beverly <laughs> just real quick my feelings on conley would be more so um, he's the most obtainable and it would probably have to happen on draft night the only thing in my personal opinion is I would more rather go towards the draft capital than to actually get into the whole giving up some bonus thing even though that's what it might take um, but I think he's number one just as far as fit and ability for the pieces to obtain and I think that would have to happen on draft night, draft night. Kimball Walker being number two um, just in reference to, I think I've come around to Kimber Walker, uh, but I ultimately think that in order for the Pacers, in my opinion, to have a, at least a 50% chance of being in the running for him, I think um, it would be best if Kyrie and KD played together. Like, so hypothetically, if they went to New York, then it would be on to Kimba to make a decision to go maybe to Dallas with no taxes or maybe the Clippers would try to pair him with uh, Kawhi if that's a possibility but the Pacers I think would be in the mix there and then lastly would be Pat Beverly Um, and under this situation Pat Beverly would come into the fold if they start chasing um, the likes of Tobias Harris Mm -hmm. and maybe team them up and then you know, maybe bringing Bogey back and then running back that way. So yeah. what's your thoughts on those scenarios? So, so you're
4: coming off your Malcolm Brogdon train? I knew you was going to say that. <laughs> it's kind of like when you see the girl at the club. Now the makeup is off and these last two games. It hasn't looked pretty. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Well, we will answer this question, and uh, we appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much, Ed, and we appreciate you giving us a shout-out. No doubt. Thanks. Thank you. Alrighty, guys. Well, there you have it and laid it out there for us. Tyler, what do you think about that?
2: That was great. I mean, that was a great call. He had a lot of great thoughts, and uh, I agreed with quite a bit of that. Um, One thing that I would address uh, in response is uh, when he mentioned Conley, I I, I may agree that he may be the most most likely of all of them as far as acquiring them. Um, If it's up to me, I would consider dealing Holiday – and maybe the 18th pick in a Conley trade, I would consider that. But I think there's too much risk with him to part with Sabonis. Um, I would consider Sabonis in a Drew Holiday deal, um, or possibly even Turner. But uh, I would—that's uh, that, kind of my thoughts on on Conley. Um, I, uh, as far as what he said about Beverly and Harris pairing together, I have a similar thought in terms of uh, Harris. I haven't thought a ton about Beverly, but. Tobias Harris, I, I hope that he, if he was someone the Pacers pursued, I don't think he's worth the kind of money that people are expecting him to get. I would not want him to be the only prime acquisition of the summer if that's all they do is add him. Um, he's a good player, good three-point shooter. His player efficiency rating is not great. He shot 32% from three as a sixer. And uh, to me, if it was one of those situations where it's Beverly and Harris, then we're talking, then uh, we're talking about a really good squad. Um, but I hope the Pacers don't just put all their eggs in the Tobias Harris basket.
4: Fachi.
3: Hey, Ed, I definitely appreciate the call, and uh, you definitely made some great points. Obviously, I'm all in on Kemba Walker. That's priority number one. It is going to be very hard for that to happen. Uh, you're going to have to wait to see some some other chips fall. Um, I thought for Conley, now what's interesting is there, there are a lot of rumors that they're going with John Morant, at number two, but then would they also have interest in Aaron Holiday as a trade piece? Now, they did draft Javon Carter in the second round, not that high of a pick, but it was an early second-round pick, so I think they could think of him as a backup point guard. So what would our package be for Conley? Would it be the 18th pick, Sabonis, and then are you throwing in someone else? I'm not ready to deal Sabonis in that deal, just like you, Tyler. Um, So I would have interest in Patrick Beverly. But I would like Beverly if he's going to come with another free agent. Now, Tobias Harris, I I just don't think that's the guy to break the bank for. I think that that's someone, if it's going to cost you $140 million, is that ever going to be able to get us out of the East? I don't know. So <laughs> I'm more along the lines of his original interest, as Alex was saying, Malcolm Brogdon. If you can get Brogdon for cheaper, I, I, I'm all in on that. I think he could be had for maybe about – 15 million dollars somewhere around that range compared to either a max or trading a lot of trade chips so my priority Kemba number one Brogdon then Mike Conley
4: yeah it's it's an interesting dynamic and I think that Ed brings up a good point as well saying that if we do go after Conley it's going to be it's going to have to be on draft night and I and I 100% agree Um, we also got another caller coming in so let's go ahead and take this call and I'll get back to my thoughts there Hi, you've reached Setting the Pace. How can I help you? Hi, I had a question for uh, Tyler Smith. All right, Tyler is right here with us. Go ahead and give us your question. Hey, um, I saw one of your tweets recently that said, if Romeo
3: Langford fell far enough down in the draft, you would um, be okay with taking him. And I was wondering if in this draft, you would consider taking Carson Edwards at some point. He has proved himself with 40 points.
4: Twice in the NCAA tournament, and he's proved to be consistent throughout
2: the regular season. Hmm. Hey, I appreciate the question. Um, not sure if you can hear me on the line or not, but uh, to answer that, I think that uh, Edwards is a, a good player. I think that um, I, I kind of wish that the Pacers had a second-round pick that was higher. Uh, they picked 50th, I think, and, and so I don't think Edwards will be available at 50. Um, not sure that I would use eighteen for him, although I do think that he, talent wise, he is pretty close in that range. Um, it's one of those things where I would put full trust in in Kevin Pritchard. Obviously, the concern with Edwards only being six foot, but Allen Iverson was six foot. There's been a lot of good guys that uh, that are shorter. Um, I think his three point shooting and and scoring will translate instantly uh, to the Pacers. Uh, to the nba so i do think i i'm intrigued it's one of those things where if, if maybe three or four of pritchard's targets if they're all gone um at 18 then maybe you consider that but i do wish the pacers had a higher second round pick where i would take edwards because i've seen him go anywhere the lowest i've seen it goes 48 so that's actually pretty close to 50 but i've seen him go i think as high as a very very late uh first rounder
4: yeah, I uh I want to throw my 2 cents in there too as well. Um this is Alex Golden by the way. And um my my thing is maybe the Pacers could hypothetically make a trade to get up early in the second round if they do feel like there is a guy like Carson Edwards that is slipping out of the first round, late first round, early second round option that they think, <clears throat> "Hey, this might be worth, you know, giving up some cash for because they aren't going to get free agents, the big name free agents more than likely. And if you really believe a guy like Carson Edwards could be one of the next best scorers, whether it's off the bench or a starter. You you go out there and you do whatever you can to get that second-round pick, similar to what the, the Warriors did trading for that Bulls second-round pick to get Jordan Bell, when they basically gave him $3 million. So that's my two cents on it. And uh, our other co-host, Mike you might have some uh, insight on this as well. So, Mike, what are your thoughts?
3: You know, as you mentioned, uh, the Pacers picking at 50. It's it's too late for Carson Edwards. I've seen him going as high as around that 25 Pick range up until, as Tyler mentioned, uh, the low 40s. But if you also do remember, we did acquire a future second round pick at the trade deadline uh, from, I believe, it's from Houston. So maybe there could be, and that's not for this year. But the Pacers could potentially package the 50th and that future second round pick, maybe move up to maybe about 35 or so. It's it's definitely possible. Um, I, I think that Pritchard needs to be aggressive. Uh, I thought, you know, Carson Edwards. I mean, who who looked more dominant from a, a small guard standpoint than Carson Edwards in, in March Madness? I mean, he had quite the stretch. I like the move. He's not going to be there at 50. I would not trade back into the first round to get him personally.
4: You have any more questions for us? Um,
1: not really. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Tyler, I'm a big fan. You should give me an autograph
4: sometime. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot. All righty, guys. Well, let me get back to my comments here with Ed and this whole point guard situation. So I kind of forgot where I was at, but just kind of rehashed it out. Like, we're not going to go out and, like, like I mentioned earlier, like we're not going to go out and get a big-name free agent. It's, it's going to be very hard. I think the reason we feel like we have a chance at Kemba is because he is in a smaller market right now. Tyler and me talked about this a couple of weeks ago after the Pacers presser, and after listening to the Point Guard Chronicles, my interview with Spencer Percy, he said the Pacers are probably fifth on the power rankings of the possibility of getting him, which is not very high. So if you're looking at a draft day trade, the teams that are going to be going after Conley, if they don't get a Kyrie or they don't get a Kimba, they're all going to have more to offer than the Pacers are come free agency with it, with it being a trade. So I think it would be smart if you really want to upgrade a point guard and you want to invest in Conley to go after him on draft day, whether you give up Sabonis or not, um, because, I know I don't want to get up Sabonis. I I put that out on Twitter. It's very hard for me to do this. He's like my favorite Pacer player right now. I don't want to do it. But I also realize that a backcourt of Mike Conley and Victor Oladipo with Miles Turner anchoring that defense, that could be a really serious contender in the East. And if you can get off Doug McDermott, TJ Leaf and Sabonis' contract, that still gives you some room to get some other guys. That's why I'm okay with this deal if it happens. I'm not out there saying, oh, this is the deal I want first and foremost but if this were to happen I wouldn't be upset because at the end of the day they're going to have to make a decision between Miles and Sabonis. Can they play together? That's still up in the air. And I think that's one thing that we need to talk about <clears throat> somebody actually sent us a question uh wanting us to kind of value Miles Turner versus Sabonis. So let's go ahead and jump to that question, Tyler. Valuing those guys, you know, they both got one vote for all NBA uh third team today. So Who's the better player overall? Who do you think has the higher ceiling?
2: Oh, that's tough. Uh, As far as uh, the question itself was asking about, you know, who has more trade value, and and that's tough to answer. I think it honestly just depends on what teams you're looking for. I'm one of the guys, as I've said on the show, that still believes that Turner is actually under a good contract, and a lot of fans fight me on that. But he's like the 59th highest paid player right now. That's going to get even lower when other guys get paid uh, this summer. So I think he can definitely be a top 60 player. Um, one of the fans actually said he's 60th in, in player efficiency rating. That's horrible. And he's paid as a star. I was like, no, he's actually paid right around there at top 60. <laughs> um, but so I, I, still think Turner would have big time trade value because he's locked up because he's 23 because of his elite defense, good three point shooter. I think he's got a high ceiling. Sabonis so is a beast. He's got the family name, which helps. This is the guy that could put up 20 and 10 if he was a starter. He is cheap for one more year, and then he'll be restricted, which you can look at one of two ways. A team acquiring him could say, okay, we're going to be able to keep him if you match offers. Same time, he could require more money than Turner at that point. So it just depends on how they look at it, And if people are going to throw stupid money at him. So to me – uh, I'm not I I still don't know who I think who I like more long term but I do think Turner barely has a little bit more trade value right now could be completely wrong on that but I think just because of the security of the contract and uh, his defensive ability
4: Fachi
3: Just to play devil's advocate, I'm going the other way. I think that Sabonis has some great trade value. I think the best is very far to come. We're not even there yet. He's improved every single year. This year, in just under 25 minutes per game, I mean, the man was honestly one of the best six men in the league, had the most double-doubles off the bench in years. You got to get this guy more playing time. And the fact that he's playing for around $4 million – Next up season, I think for a team that's trying to win now, if you could, I mean, that's that's an amazing piece to add to a team. Uh, now, if he does have a good year, which we assume he will, that contract value is going to go, it's going to exceed Miles Turner's deal. I think Turner's deal, and then just like you said, Tyler, I agree. It's going to be about $72 million because I don't think he'll hit those incentives, but... I firmly more believe that this is probably who Turner is. He'll probably get a little bit better. But I think that Sabonis is potentially a star in the making, a diamond in the rough when you consider that he was almost a throw-in in the Oladipo deal. We really have something here, and I don't think I can let him go.
4: Yeah, I think, honestly, like it's really tough, and I know some people will say, oh, it's not tough, Turner's so much better, or they'll say, oh, it's not tough, Sabonis is so much better. There are so many people on different fences with this, and it's because they do so many different things well. What Sabonis does well, Turner needs to work on. What Turner does well, Sabonis needs to work on. They they really fit each other. If they were one player, they'd be probably the most dominant center in the NBA. So that's what's frustrating is you have to sit here and try to evaluate what is – You know, what is better? And I think right now in today's NBA, a guy that can lead the league in blocks and can shoot the three comfortably is probably a little bit more of an asset than a guy that's known for, you know, getting in the post and having a high uh, field goal percentage. Who's a really good screen setter and really good pick and roll player. He's also a great passer. I mean, those are all things that we've talked about before with Sabonis. You know, and if you're weighing it, my, my biggest thing with Turner is <clears throat> that contract. I actually like that contract, Tyler. And with that contract, it gives you leverage to not have to eat so much salary back if you do an uneven trade. If they go out, and we talked about this with David Grubb last week on the Point Guard Chronicles and made a deal for Drew Holiday for four miles Turner, you know, you're only going to have to four million dollars into that cap space which would give you 40 some million dollars still to go out and make your roster better you just slide bonus in there now you go find a backup center somewhere else to me that makes more sense than you know trying to throw bonus. $3 million, $4 million for Mike Conley, 32 Now you're eating $28 million into your cap space, and you basically yep. have $15 million left to go out and fill your roster out. And <clears throat> it just doesn't make sense. So the pace for have to either do one, a sign in trade, or they have to find a third team to trade some bonus to, and then maybe trade, you know, McDermott and all these other assets just to try to make it an even trade or get something close to where you're not you know, losing so much of that free space in free agency. So that's one of the things that I struggle with. Um, But right now, I guess to answer that question, I didn't really answer it. I would say that I value Turner more than Sabonis as a trade asset. And at the end of the day, I I think that who's going to be the better player is still up in the air because we haven't seen Sabonis as a starting center in the NBA. He was trying to play power forward with Russell Westbrook. So tough. He's not a power forward. I don't think he can play power forward. Do you, Tyler?
2: Uh I really wish that he could and I and I hope that he can develop into that because I'm still I mean one thing you said was that you know eventually they have to choose between them, but you also said we don't know fully them playing together. So I think you could use this year and the year that Sabonis is still cheap to to go for it, to try to acquire someone else via free agency, um, see what you have and then make that decision if you have to at that point. Um and another thing, another point that I've made Everyone wants to talk about having a big three. So if you had Oladipo and you were able to get somebody in free agency, throw them some money, to me, the combination of Turner and Sabonis at the five can be your third superstar. I know it's not ideal, especially in a small market, to pay four guys for three spots. But, um, again, just think if you were to trade one and the other one gets hurt, the other one's in foul trouble all the time, you could significantly lose a lot of what you had that was working. Um, I'm still – on the team of keep them both unless, I mean, if, if you're going to trade one of them, it better not be for Conley. I'm just going to say that it, as intriguing as I would be to have Conley, especially for one, you know, for next year to see what they could do. You got to get a holiday a drew holiday type, a Bradley Beal type or something, um, something that's more uh, that's younger and, and uh, not as injury prone. Uh, if you're going to trade one of those guys. Firmly agree. Uh, I think Mike Conley, yeah, I think in his career, he
3: had about, Last year was his highest scoring year, but for the most part, I mean, come on, this this guy's about a 16, 17 points per game guy. He's obviously had some seasons above that, but this is not like a franchise-changing guy. He's on, I think, going to be on a little bit of the downturn of his career. We'd obviously, hey, he would make the Pacers better. But for the money he's making, I'm Drew Holiday all day, I'm, I'm Malcolm Brogdon for half the price of that.
4: Yeah. I'm Patrick Beverly <laughs> for ten million dollars. Oh, no, you are. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying I think <clears throat> that defensive type of player can help you get other guys who can create offensively. You know, there are wings out there that are available that I think would be, you know, very good upgrades, <clears throat> uh, even if you keep Bowie Bench players that could really make this team so much deeper, and I think our depth like we've been seeing in Milwaukee could really pay off. You know, it's just these young guys are going to improve which is turner and sabonis oladipo we're still going to have a question mark with him so that's one of the things we just have to see how he comes back from this injury and how that you know plays into going after free agents because what if they're worried about his health that's that's one of my biggest concerns so um do you guys want to move on to more twitter questions or do you want to go to voicemails i got both ready Let's go voicemails. Voicemail? All right. We'll start off first with a voicemail from John DeLeon. And it is coming up right now. <clears throat> Maybe if I can get a plan. Here we go. How's it going? My
1: question to you is with the All-NBA teams being announced today and the
4: ramifications <clears throat> of those announcements on the players' potential earning as far as contracts, do you think the media should have a say in the All-NBA teams, being that it does affect the player's contract moving forward. That's an interesting question. It's not really Pacers-related, but um, it's a very important thing to discuss because I know today there were some players out there that said the players should be voting for this. Um, I'll get your thoughts on this first, Fachi. What do you think? It's
3: interesting because some of it is just uh, <clears throat> driven by people being a bit biased. I mean, I think it was Jackie McMullen put it out there, I believe it was, saying how she didn't think that LeBron deserved third team uh, because he missed a good chunk of the season, wasn't really playing defense uh, that much. (laughs) Uh, At times it seemed pretty evident. But at the same point, how do you leave a guy like LeBron off all NBA, especially when she was saying that media members, they'll have to vote for them because LeBron could stop giving them interviews. And when a guy like LeBron takes that spot of a guy like a Clay Thompson or a Bradley Beal – it, it's big. I mean, Clay Thompson's going to miss out on $30 million. If you saw the video today, you could see it on his face. It, it hurts. But also, a guy like Bradley Beale, this might now be his way out of Washington if they can't pay him that much more money. So it, I think that we got to find a better system for all of this. Dwayne Wade got a, a vote for all NBA second team. That can't be happening today. <laughs>
2: so it, it needs to be fixed. Tyler? yeah I agree that something needs to change with it. I mean there's just so much at stake for these guys, and I mean, you can't tell me that that a lot of these riders are not biased um maybe toward certain players or, or certain guys that they don't like or i mean um I know a lot of n b a riders watch a lot of basketball and they see those teams when they come to town, but they're pretty much seeing their guys for the most part throughout the year so it's it's really hard to have a you know a um a true um true vote for that that's uh, that's not biased and i did see so kimball walker made third team right he made third team yep. all right. nba so he that could impact the pacers actually cuz he is now eligible for the 5 year 221 million from charlotte um and they're if trying they to they do keep that from,
4: they're ridiculous yeah
2: that that would be crazy but um that that is something to to watch and uh yeah like as you said Beal was not on there so um yeah that could be a something to watch as well. Maybe, maybe that is his ticket out.
4: Now for me, the only problem I have is, you know, if the players do vote for all NBA team, number one, I don't think all NBA teams should determine a player's contract. I think that is dumb by the management who is the one signing these contracts. Mm-hmm. I think they should have to reach certain numbers as far as statistics goes, but I don't think they should have to be on the first team all NBA to get this bonus and whatever. I think that's kind of silly. Now, I saw some players say, hey, the players should be voting. Well, we've kind of seen that with the All-Star votes. Uh, There was one year LaVoy Allen got a vote, okay? LaVoy Allen was never close to an All-Star level player. So the guys don't take it seriously. If they wanted to form some type of players committee, part of the Players Association, that voted on these players, whether it be former players, whether it be current NBA players, uh, that have a committee that's really going to take this seriously because, look, yeah, LeBron James didn't have a great season. His numbers were off the off the charts, though, offensively. So that's why he got in there, you know. But you look at a guy like Clay Thompson, who you know was on the Golden State Warriors, the best team in the Western Conference, second best team in the NBA. But a guy like Bradley Beal makes it over him, who's putting up good numbers on a bad team. So it's all just kind of skewed, basically. And it, 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 there's some issues with it. We look at Miles Turner not making <clears throat> the defensive team. At all, not even the second team, and he led the league in blocks. You know, there's got to be a certain area where, you know, the Pacers aren't on TV every night like Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Rudy Gobert's got that reputation. He's one defensive player of the year, so he's going to get a lot of votes. He's obviously a great defender. I have no problems with him getting the first team. Joel Embiid and Turner were very close. The Pacers' defense is way better than the Sixers, and Turner was better defensively as an individual over Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I'm so mad about it. It is what it is. It's a dumb award, right? But I do think that if these are going to determine contracts, I've got to do a better job at that. So my my take on that is not super strong, but, you know, if they want to change it up, I think the league has done a great job of evolving and trying to figure out different ways to make this league better. So we got one more voicemail. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to go to that one, or do you want to go to some Twitter questions?
3: Let's finish off the voicemails. Good. All right.
1: <clears throat> Yeah, this is Sean Thorne with a question for the podcast. I was
4: wanting to see what player you thought we had a realistic chance at getting to hold the team together until depot gets back. All right, so that's kind of a, a tough question to, you know, answer there, basically because what type of player or what kind of player or who are we going to get to try to hold the team together? I think it's got to be a collective unit, personally. Um just depends on what they do now if he's if you're looking at a backup guard maybe that's what he's talking about because we can't get tyreek wesley matthews has the uh probably won't be coming back there's a hole there at the two guard so i'll start with you tyler is there a number two or a shooting guard out there or a wing player that you would like to see on this roster
2: i have been so focused on point guard like like everyone else seems to be so I don't know. I, I think just because of who Oladipo is, I might be more optimistic than most that I really feel like pretty early in the season. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him that he's playing opening night. I'm not saying he's going to have the explosiveness from night one, but I just I just get that feeling the way Oladipo and his magic, the way he works. Uh, I could see him back sooner than later. So to me, it's still, instead of a two guard, it's still more about um, finding the best guard available somehow, whether it's point guard or shooting guard. I don't care. Find the best guard that you can get, um, that you can pay or trade for, bring him in. That person is going to take a lot of the stress off of Oladipo. And then even when Oladipo is back, then you have a two-headed monster so that Vic doesn't have to do it all. So, sorry, I don't have too many like names as far
4: as the two-guard goes. But Come on, Tyler, uh, give us a name, man. Uh, Carson Edwards? No, I'm just kidding. Um,
2: Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still, I'm still team Kimball Walker, Drew Holiday, and and I uh, just, I don't know if, how likely it is that one of those guys ends up coming here, but um, or Bradley Beal, but I, I don't know. Um, free agent wise, I don't know. I, I would like to uh, re-sign Bogdanovich, and we'll see what happens. I got a
3: name for you, J.J. Redick. I think that there would be mutual interest right now. The man's looking for a home. He's tired of one-year deals. If you give J.J. Redick a two- or a three-year deal at the right price, I think he's coming. I don't think he's going to break the bank. Um, I think that he could be had for somewhere around maybe $8 million a year. I don't think that's that crazy for a guy who just had a career career year in scoring. So I think he's someone that would be a perfect fill-in. For Oladipo, if we do strike out on, you know, the Kemba Walkers and, you know, I'm not I'm this is going to be the last time I bring up Malcolm Brogdon. If you're missing out on a guy like that, J.J. Redick is a guy who I think that we can realistically get a really cheap option. You know who I got love for? Seth Curry. I do. I think he could be had for four million dollars. And, and I think you give him a, a two, three year deal. Three years, $12 million. I think he's coming to Indiana, and Seth, I like it. Seth
4: Curry to, to replace Oladipo? <laughs> no, no, no. Not to replace him. As just depth at well, shooting the, guard. Well the, well, the question was, who do you get to fill that void for Oladipo, basically? J.J. Redick. Okay, JJ so, so Seth Curry's just your backup plan if J.J. doesn't get it that's,
3: that's just a cheat. You got some pocket change, something left in the couch. You're throwing it at, at Seth Curry, and it's going to work out.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that honestly... We brought in Tyreek Evans last year. We mentioned this to play next to Oladipo to kind of be that one two punch. Now, Tyler, I think you're onto something here. Whether it's a point guard, whether it's a shooting guard, whether it's a small forward, just a wing that can go next to Oladipo to really help take some of that load off. And, you know, I like the J.J. Redick thought, but he's getting up there in age. I don't really think he can be a reliable go to scorer for the Pacers. So that's why we're kind of stuck here. And honestly. I think trade is the best way to get that player. That's why I think a guy like Conley could really help take some of that load off of Oladipo. Now I know we that that price is just, ugh, it's gross. I get it. If anything that tears me away from that is that price. That contract is awful. But if you can go out and maybe make a play at a guy like Bradley Beal before, you know, the Lakers try to get their hands on him when they miss out in free agency, you know, you got to figure out something to get another go-to score next to Oladipo because what if he gets hurt again? You want to rely on Bojan again? No, not really. Uh, Aaron Holiday probably had a better chance than than Bojan to be that you know guy that can create off the dribble. So that's why I think if you can find somebody, maybe a Chris Middleton, he'd be a mid tier level player. I don't think he's gonna leave Milwaukee. I think Dallas would be in front of him uh, in front of Indiana, definitely for sure as a team that would go after him. Mm. So in that mid tier, I mean, a guy that can create his own shot. I think would be a good, a great bench player for this team would be Terrence Ross. We talked about this before. Terrence Ross, I think, would be you know gettable on a on a decent contract. He's not a great, you know, he's not someone that you're going to count on to replace Oladipo. But could he fill the void for a couple games as an offensive as an offensive threat? Absolutely. I mean, he torched the Pacers all year long, multiple thirty point games. So that is my thoughts on that. Now we do have a couple Twitter questions here to close out this segment and. This one is from Prodigy Sports Podcast. They have really been supporting us recently. Now, they went on a little tangent here and asked us about four questions. So we'll try to break this down. Um, first question is, with how crazy this offseason will be for the Pacers, I want to know what your dream realistic offseason is for this team. Fachi, dream uh, off season. Go ahead. Kemba Walker has to be involved in that. That is,
3: if you got Kemba Walker this off season. first of all, He's hands down the biggest free agent the Pacers have ever landed at that point. So if you can get if you can get Kemba Walker at that point, then why not? You know if you can, you'll have some remaining money over there. You know, obviously, I'd be fine re-signing Boyan at that point if it's not going to break the bank. Uh, or if not, it depends where you're looking at. I mean, there's a couple other guys like a Markeith Morris or Marcus Morris that you could probably have for. You know, a little bit cheaper guys that can help but not break the bank. There's veterans. Like, there's a Rudy Gay out there. You know, uh, guys that you can get for maybe around $5 million or so. So, I mean, he's my – Kemba's number one. I love Malcolm Brogdon for about $15 million. I can't hammer that point enough. So, I would
4: love that. Those two, point guard is what I really want to address this year. I missed this question. They also he also asked, "What are the starters? So, who would your starting five be for this realistic off season, or not realistic, but your dream realistic?"
3: <laughs> okay, I would have to say then, you know, if, if we get Kemba, it's Kemba or Brogdon. Obviously, Oladipo. Um, then you're looking at, are we re-signing Boyan? Uh, I think that that's going to be a priority of the team. So, say we do. Uh, Boyan's over there. Um, And then at that point, you're looking at trying to slide in. Are you going to start Sabonis and Turner? That's the big thing. I think that you have to give Sabonis more minutes. Why not try and at least start the year with him as a starter? Uh, I think you got to at least roll the dice.
2: Tyler? Well, you would like this team to get more athletic and add some speed and shooting. But at the same time, it's not super realistic to expect multiple Big additions, maybe one is realistic. Mm -hmm. So to me, um, my best case scenario would be basically the same team plus Kimba Walker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Same same team plus one big name, and that would include re-signing Bogdanovich. And that would, I mean, best case scenario. It's probably not likely, but best case scenario that even Thad Young takes a short-term deal, a one or two-year deal, because he loves it so much to to play here. Um, if he doesn't stay, you somehow go out and try to find a, a stretch four. Um, and, and, and as I've said, I would, I would love to still have uh, Turner and Sabonis both. You have that stud off the bench. Uh, you go out and get somebody else. But basically, try to keep as many guys here as you can, but make that one big addition.
4: All right, so I'm going to throw a little curveball at you guys. Um, I'm going to keep Kimba Walker in that point guard position for this area. I'm going to say Victor Oladipo at the two. Miles Turner at the center. I'm going to throw Nikola Miritich into that power forward position for Thaddeus Young, just a guy that can really help stretch the floor with guys like Kemba and Oladipo breaking down the defense. You need two shooters out there. Why not have one of Oladipo or Kemba sitting out there with Miritich and Turner? But my small forward is going to surprise you. I think he's going to be available for cheap. If the Denver Nuggets are going to bring back Paul Millsap, their small forward, Torrey Craig, will be on the market. And he is... An amazing defender. He cannot shoot the ball at all. He does struggle with that, but I do think as a small forward, lockdown wing defender, he would be a huge asset to have. He would be my <clears throat> s- sneaky s- sleeper for this dream starting five. You bring Sabonis off the bench with Aaron Holiday and figure out the rest of that later. Whether it's your draft picks, whether it's Sumner, whether it's Leaf. I mean, with those five starting, I think that's a really solid starting five. And I like the thought of playing Miritich Nexus Sabonis when Sabonis comes in for Turner. I just think that that would be my dream realistic off for the team with my starters. So he wants us to go the other way now and do our nightmare off season. So we'll reverse it. I'll start with Tyler first this time. Your your uh, nightmare, worst nightmare off season.
2: Nightmare off season is they lose um, one of the two between Thad Young and Bogey. They don't add any big names whatsoever, and then Oladipo, who knows if he, you know, if he's hurt for a while. But basically, if you go into next year trying to tell fans, like, hey, we've got pretty much the same team, except we didn't make any big moves and even one of our guys left, I mean, that would be hard. You cannot go into next year just saying, well, we got Oladipo back, and that's going to be enough to take us on a deep run. Something has to happen. I think something will happen, but there's no guarantees. This is not like a video game where you have first dibs. I mean, there's all these other teams with all these other needs and all this money they can throw at people. So that would be my nightmare, very uh, very little action when we want something big to go on.
3: I'm going to be honest. My nightmare is scary, and it's Scary Terry. I do not <laughs> want – it is. I, when you're talking about a nightmare, Scary Terry to the Pacers on a big-term contract – Terrifies me. Terrifies me. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It terrifies me. So I would be, I would lose sleep over that. Honestly. Uh, I want nothing to do with that contract. Uh, your Miritich point, if if we walked away and Miritich was the only big signing, I would be sad also because it just ah, I he's, he's battled with, he's battled with injuries. He has. The man played 82 games mm-hmm. once in his career. Seems there's always something going wrong. But I just those two guys I just don't want much to do with. Also, if Terrence Ross was a piece added to it, okay. If you overpay for Terrence Ross, uh, uh, it's it's not going to be good for this Pacers team. So well, who Terry, Rose rather here? have
4: Terrence Ross mm-hmm. or Doug McDermott?
3: Terrence Ross for sure. Yeah,
4: they overpaid for McDermott on opening night because <clears> <throat> yes, they needed a, 20- a shooter.
3: At twenty one million in three years, it's not that bad. It's not. He he definitely underperformed signing
4: at midnight? Hey we struck out. Well, that was a dumb strikeout. They struck out before they even got up to the plate. Yeah, it, it, hey, I never said it
3: was a good signing. He underperformed. I think it'll be better, but twenty one million dollars, it's not that bad. I think Terrence Ross is gonna be looking for potentially double that. Forty million, I I could see that.
4: Yeah, my worst nightmare for this starting lineup is to bring back the same starting five from this season that opened the season. I'm done with Darren Collison. I don't want to see Darren Collison out there anymore. I, I think he's a great player for a backup position, but not as a starter. Collison's getting older. He's short. He can't defend well. Yeah, he's a good at protecting the ball. He's an okay shooter, but he doesn't shoot very much. Uh, you know, Thad Young, Bojan, both are really nice players, but you're not winning a title with this team and if you want hope if you want to believe in something I just can't buy into this starting five again so I understand that culture is important but culture also doesn't result in winning so that is that now he says maybe it's Kimba but then the roster lacks in other ways or is it getting Brogdon and Harris for a more balanced starting lineup trade for Conley or Drew tell me how you are going to do this most intriguing storyline for Indy this whole year is what happens this summer so I guess Basically, he kind of wanted us to just kind of the biggest storyline, the most intriguing storyline for this upcoming season. What would that be for you, Tyler?
2: Most intriguing storyline is uh, do they trade one of Turner or Sabonis? Um, Because I think – I mean, you could say, do they get a point guard? Do they get a big name? Do they make a signing? But in in all three of those, you can basically say they're all different questions, and they're all three, you know, one one b or one a one b questions. Um, there's so many I- intriguing things, but what they decide to do, and I'm sure Pritchard is at least listening to, and he's having these phone calls. What would you give me for this guy or this guy? Whatever they decide on that front is going to shape basically everything else. So. Do they trade one of those two guys? Do they keep both? And uh, 1A is do they finally get that big name somehow?
3: I want to see a ballsy move made. I want everybody on the table other than Oladipo. I think that you have to say that, hey, I'm willing to do anything possible. Uh, The Pacers are a team that does not pay the luxury tax. They don't do it. But if the right opportunity comes, I mean, if you can give Kemba Walker a max and then you want to do something else – to, to be able to really put the finishing touches on this team, you gotta do it. Because th- this is the time. The East, there there's a there's a chink in the armor. I, I don't think that Kawhi is coming back to Toronto. And the Bucks, they're gonna be good, but once they sign Middleton, and I believe they do, they're gonna be capped out. They have Brooke Lopez to sign also, which I think they do. You know, Miritich, they'll probably let him walk. Are you gonna let Brogdon walk? So there are opportunities I want to see someone come to Indiana. If no one comes this year, when we have all this cap space, it's going to be very hard to get anyone here ever because it is appealing playing
4: next to to Oladipo. So someone's got to come, and I think it's this year. And that's why I think that we shouldn't overlook Mm -hmm. the possibility of bringing Mike Conley in. I understand you don't want to give up on a young talent like a Sabonis, but after talking to Joe Mullinax about from the grizzlies they're going to move on from conley because they're going to take john moran there it's it's the inevitable mike conley wants to be in indiana you can't value a player wanting to be in its hometown playing for their team i get it he's older but if you sign kimba to 4 years and you pay him 32 33 million a year you know you're going to have that extra money lingering until 2023 conley is on a shorter deal in the $30 million range, he'll be a free agent the same year as Oladipo. Then you could almost basically swap their contracts, give Oladipo that $35 million and put Conley around the 20 and maybe sign him for a couple more years. And that gives you something solid to build around with Conley and Oladipo and Turner. And then you go from there, you know, do you trade Turner? Do you, you know, do you find another young piece you can bring in there when Conley is up, when his contract's up? Would he take a lesser deal because he wants to be in Indiana? I mean, all these things are factors, and I think that's why, with our inability to attract free agents, to always be on the mid-tier of the pecking order, being aggressive and making a trade for an upgrade at point guard makes sense. <laughs> whether you like it or not, uh, whether you like what you're giving up or not, you're not going to be able to get something special if you don't give anything special back. So, yeah, I mean, Holiday, he might be something that they look for, but I don't think Memphis wants another point guard. They've got their point guard. They need their center next to Jaron Jackson Jr., and Sabonis is a perfect fit next to him for what he does. So that's kind of my thoughts on this. But we have one more question on Twitter, and it was from Sean Thorne who actually called it. He sent us one on Twitter as well. He said he believes that Wesley Matthews, Thad Young, and Bojan are all back next season. What are your thoughts? Fachi.
3: Oh no! Please no! I I love the guys and, and I love what they have brought to the table for the Pacers in the past, but we can't do this. We can't continue to just keep bringing back the same team. Uh, I thought the, the Wesley Matthews addition at the All Star break was a great addition at the time, and, and and I think that that worked out well. But am I going to commit ten or more million dollars to him moving forward? And then also bring back that and Boyan. I mean, it would be, it would be a tough pill to swallow to bring this team back. I don't want to say anything negative because I love these guys and all of their contributions. But come on, I mean, Boyan, it's going to be around eighteen million dollars at best. You know, Wesley Matthews, he's not taking anything less than eight to ten. And then Thad, this is his last contract. You know, it, it, he's got to try and get paid also. So th- while we have money and, and the stars are aligning, you have to dream big and go for the stars. And if you don't go those guys, then hopefully you fall out of like a B list player and, and save the money for that. If you're gonna bring back one guy from the group, I'm we'll fine with bringing back Boyan or a two year deal for Thad. If he's gonna, if he's gonna take a pay cut, I'm not that interested in bringing Wesley Matthews back.
4: Come on, man, Wesley, bring him back, man. Bow and arrow guy. <laughs> Can't do it. (laughs) Tyler?
2: I think one of the three will be back. I think there's a chance that two of the three, I think there's a very slim chance that all three are back. The thing that I will say is one scenario in which I'd be okay if they're brought back is if. The scenario, I think, in which that young stays, which is that he somehow takes a team-friendly deal. Um, I do know he talked to me on Media Day a couple years ago, and he talked about not wanting to you know, have his kids go in different school systems all the time. He mentioned some of the benefits of being here and the fact of liking living here and all that. Still think he's going to go for that one more contract, as you mentioned um, but if there's any scenario where he does come back on a one-year deal, then I would be okay because it would be a little cheaper. You resign sign Bogey, you maybe still have some money for somebody else, but I think probably one of the three will be here.
4: Yeah, I think it's interesting with that is if Pritchard says, hey, we want to try this Sabonis-Turner thing out, would you be willing to come off the bench? I think that would be an intriguing thing to just see if he'd be okay with that if he likes his team that much. I don't think that would be a smart move, but I do think that would be something, you know, worth asking him and hopefully he doesn't get offended by that question as well but yeah i do think bojan is probably the most likely to come back but i also think bojan is the one that will probably get the biggest contract offer from another team especially if somebody misses out on one of these you know look at somebody like dallas like we've mentioned if they want a chris middleton they miss out on them you know i think bojan could be a nice fit there you know and, and someone that makes sense actually for bojan Golden State Warriors. What if Kevin Durant and Draymond Green leave because they want bigger contracts? Bojan would be an actually really nice fit there as a, sm- as a small forward. I mean, there's teams that need that type of shooter. It just depends on what they're willing to pay him. I would not, like I said earlier in another podcast, not go above $15 million for Bojan Bogdanovich. If, if somebody wants to pay him $16 million or more, uh, I hope the Pacers do not match that. He's 30 years old, 31. I'm just not a fan of that. And I want to see the Pacers get some a little bit younger and, you know, honestly, a little bit more upside to them. So uh, to wrap this up, I'm going to go through and just get your dream realistic thoughts on uh, what you think the Pacers do. So not really dream because we already kind of did that, but let's do your realistic free agency thoughts. So what do you think the Pacers realistically do, Fauci?
3: Malcolm Brogan, honestly, it feels right. I see it. And no one can tell me that it can't, ha- it can't happen. Honestly. All right. Not no one's Brogdon telling you. It seems like a fit for the Pacers. It seems like you can't even tell. We're definitely getting that meeting. And from there, I think we can close it. That's realistic.
4: All right. Well, what else do you want to do to fill out the roster? Go ahead and give me, like, a rundown of the players you think we will bring in besides just a point guard.
3: Honestly, I-, I think you could do Brogdon and J.J. Redick. I, I really do. Um, I don't want to stay too fixated on that, but J.J. Redick's a good player. And, and I think that he's looking for probably one more contract. And if you can get him at, at a three-year, $30 million deal, that's honestly not bad at all for a guy who just averaged 18 and 17 the year before that. Great three-point shooter. Pacers want to and need to shoot more threes. They have to get with the times. I think he's a great fit. If you, if you have enough money to sprinkle in another one and you want some depth, a guy like Markeith Morris is available. I mean, there, there's guys like Rudy Gay out there. Like I said that earlier, that could be had for the right price. A veteran like Taj Gibson, if you are going to lose that young. Those guys can be had. So the big free agent, I envision, Malcolm Brogdon, and then we take it from there, J.J. Redick, hopefully.
2: Tyler? Yeah, I would be intrigued uh, with all of those. I think, you know, just as we're talking here and – um if Milwaukee is indeed uh, capped out, if they uh, re-sign Middleton. Because, you know, Brogdon being restricted, it's tough to know when a guy is not a max offer, um, how, much, how high do you go to try to get him to where Milwaukee would not be comfortable um, matching that offer. So that is very intriguing. I would be happy having him in addition to another piece, whether it's off the bench. Um, and I'm still hopeful that I think Bogdanovich is going to return. We'll see what happens Um, And I do think – I can't really make a prediction on Kimball Walker, but I do think the Pacers are going to get a meeting with him and they're going to make a pitch and uh, they are going to throw some money his way. Whether it's enough to get the job done, I don't know. But it is at least exciting to think that, okay, the Pacers are going to be in the same room and they're at least going to go for it.
4: All right, so my my thoughts are they're going to try for Mike Conley, but they're not going to pull the trigger because they don't want to trade Sabonis. It's too much to give up. I think that's what's going to happen, similar to what happened at the deadline. I think that they're going to try for Kemba. I think they might get a meeting. But I think ultimately they're going to have to settle for a Ricky Rubio or a Pat Beverly-type player. And I do think that that's who they end up going with is Patrick Beverly, if he's still on the market. Now they look at their bench. How are they going to make this bench better? Because Beverly is not changing the offense that much for that starting unit. Honestly, a realistic guy I can see them bringing back is George Hill. Uh, there's no way Milwaukee's going to pick up that $20 million player option with all those free agents that they are team option with all those free agents. George Hill has proven in this series and even in this playoff run that he's still a valuable asset. I think he could be an awesome off-guard ball next to um, Aaron Holiday uh patrick beverly is 31 years old he's getting up there a little bit in age that way you have that nice guard rotation i think those are four solid guards that you could play in a playoff series now it's not all-star level like kimba but i mean look at what milwaukee's throwing out there you're looking at brogdon bledsoe and hill you know they're doing it by rotation and i think our rotation is really solid with that And then if you're looking at the wings, I think Billion does make sense to come back. I don't really see us getting any other big-name wing, so I think that's why we'll end up getting him. Uh, And then as far as power forward goes, there's a lot of different options they could look at. I mentioned Miritich earlier. I think that's someone they could keep their eye on. Um, But if they do bring Thad back, a guy off the bench, I could see them going after maybe someone like a Jeff Green. Now, I know it's not like, oh, you know, Jeff Green's whatever, but I think... You know, adding a Jeff Green is better than TJ Leaf. Nexus a bonus. You know, and I actually like Marcus Morris as well. If the Pacers decide to let Thad go, I think Marcus Morris is an upgrade. I think Mm -hmm. the one thing that I call him an upgrade for is his outside shooting. Now, he's a streaky shooter, but he's a better shooter than Thad Young because Thad proved last year that he was just, you know, someone on somewhat of an offensive liability because teams were leaving him open for a reason. So, Marcus Morris, I think, would be an upgrade at that power forward position next to Turner, and so I just I'm not getting my hopes up. I just see us getting the mid tier, lower tier free agents. I don't want to spend money on mid tier free agents like Tobias Harris and break, break and break the bank on that because that is just not something I'm willing to invest in. So, what are your guys' thoughts on? I'll start with you, you, What are your thoughts on my predictions and Tyler's thoughts?
3: I completely agree. Honestly, giving Tobias Harris the max. Is not in the best interest of this team. He's just—he's not the guy that's worth the max. Kemba Walker is worth the max. If you're going to give it to someone, you don't just have to give the max to someone. You know, like for instance, if it came down to Middleton, I'm not giving him the max. That's not the guy you give the max to either. I love him, Marcus Morris. I just—he's just a hard-nosed, good veteran guy. I mean, we saw what he did to us in Game One against Boston. I mean, he's—he's he's a good player. Um, I just – I completely agree with what you said over there. If it comes down to – Patrick Beverly does seem obtainable. I believe that George Hill would want to come back, and this time things would be different. We wouldn't need him to be our lead point guard and everything like that. It it could work out a little bit more. Obviously, it hurt when the expectations were – we traded Kawhi Leonard for this. It's different this time around if that happened. So – I, I like what you said over there. I'm still hoping that you know that we can get the, the, the brogged in and, and a middle tier guy, but I'm not throwing the max just to throw the max. Yeah,
2: yeah. If we don't get one max player, then uh, let's get two really good players. Yep. Um, that's that's kind of what I'm looking for this offseason. Would be intrigued to have the hometown hero George Hill come back uh be off the bench and uh yeah he's 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 played really well um down the stretch there. So that would be intriguing. I can't believe we went this entire podcast and didn't even mention the Bankers Life hype man Lance Stevenson if you bring him back <laughs> <laughs> I was so close to asking bring him about back that. <laughs> and uh I mean uh just to have him as even like eighth or ninth man, but just to get the uh just to sell tickets and um, you know have those fourth quarter comebacks at home again. So
4: yeah, I don't know I don't people's... think that's gonna happen with McMillan as coach. Yeah. Yeah probably not hey yeah. in my
3: mind wanting to bring back lance it's just assumed all right there is always a spot on this team for lance in my mind let's, yep. just
4: ma- let's just make him the mascot get rid of boomer put lance out there let him jump off trampolines i think fans would like that i would like i'm it. on board I- i'd go to every better game. yet
2: better yet bring back bowser but lance stevenson's under it and he takes the hat off
4: <laughs> yeah he just comes back and takes his throne game of thrones style <laughs> bowser over boomer we can't do that to boomer boomer's awesome You know, I mean, coming down the rafters all the time, (laughs) I can't imagine doing that. That would freak me out. Um, But, yeah, so I think, honestly, like, even with what I said earlier with my combination, if you could throw Terrence Ross in there with the money you have available, you know, $44 million, Terrence Ross, George Hill, Patrick Beverly, and uh, bring Bojan back with Marcus Morris. I mean, that's a pretty good upgrade. It's a pretty solid, you know, eight, nine guys right there that I think could really go deep in the playoffs. And I think depth, you know, has proven itself, especially – with this Bucks team throughout the playoffs. I mean, Toronto has struggled because OG Ananobi is not healthy. But if they had OG, I mean, their health would be a, a big difference maker, and I think that they probably would have taken care of business a little bit better with Philadelphia if OG was there to throw some other bodies out there to help Kawhi. But that's kind of why I think this draft pick is important. If you don't trade it, you've got to find somebody that can really help fill a fill a role this year and it can't be another tj leaf project it's got to be someone you can plug in right away and can help this team and i think there's guys out there that they can get um you know another name is grant williams from tennessee i like him a lot as a power forward option whether it's off the bench or not i'm just you know we got to give tj a shot i get it but as a backup is as much as i want to give him a shot at so all right, we've been going on this podcast for a long time. We hope you all have had a great Memorial Day. We're going to upload this Monday, so if you're listening to it, hope you're having safe travels. Tyler, any final words for the fans?
2: Oh, man, I just uh, buckle up because you just have no clue what's going to happen. And that's scary, but it's also exciting. So let's just ride the wave and see what happens.
4: Fachi, final words, my
3: man. Get hyped, Pacer fans. Someone is coming this
4: off season. All righty, there you heard it, Mike Fauci <laughs> prophesying that someone not giving out a very big prophecy, though. Come on, no, man. but I'm telling you,
3: it's going to be bigger than McDermott. This is the year. People saw what we could do without Oladipo, and they know, hey, if you're a, a mid-tier guy or you know maybe not a star, star guy, you can help this team, and we can go far.
4: I think bringing in Mike Fauci might be an upgrade over McDermott. So like I said, Fauci's not saying much here. Just trying to get you hype. But all right, Pacer fans, from us at Setting the Pace, you can follow us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. Make sure you go on iTunes iTunes, and sub- subscribe. I can't talk anymore. I've been talking for an hour, and I'm tripping over my words. But go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review, and let us know what you guys think of the show and how we can get better. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PacersTalk.net. If you missed any of our point guard chronicles that we did, we have a whole entire page dedicated to that where you can listen to all nine episodes of the point guard chronicles where we talk about individual players the Pacers could bring in at the point guard position. So for myself, you can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. Fachi is underscore F-A-C-C-I. And you can follow Tyler Smith at TylerSmith underscore ISL. And until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Peace out, Pacer Nation.